I was going to be preaching that night, and I didn't know it, but it was an unsaved man. He said, man, that's a mighty big Bible. And I said, I got a mighty big God. And I do. My God lives. My God's alive. I'm so thankful for his many, many blessings to me. Let me tell you where I'm going tonight. First of all, turn to the book of Haggai. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, third to the last book in the Old Testament. Turn to the book of Haggai. I'm going to preach all the way through that book tonight. It's only 38 verses. It's not a big book. I'm going to try to condense a lot of things and, and, and share some good Bible truth. But I'll tell you where I'm going for the week, all right? Tonight I preach out of Haggai. Sunday, let's see, Monday night I preached on, well, what in the world did I preach on? Philippians. Last night it was the church in Philadelphia. Today, today I'm going to preach about the uh, Old Testament temple, the second temple. I'm going to preach on that this evening. And then tomorrow night and Friday night, I'm going to preach on the two things. I observe things as I've gone through life. I've, pastor, I've been pastor in the same church now for 36 years. I may not look it, but I'm 60 years of age. Usually when I say that, people gasp in amazement. So let me try to run by that again. And if you would gasp, that would make me feel good. You may not believe this, but I'm 60 years of age. I know, I know I look a lot younger than that, but I'm 60 years of age and I have observed things over the years. I like to watch people. I'm the guy that when my wife goes shopping, I'll sit here on the bench and I just watch people. And it's, there's a lot of funny looking, strange people in this world. They're not like you and me. I don't know, I don't know if you realize that or not. And, and I've observed some things in churches. There are two things that are missing in most churches today. I'm going to preach on one of them Thursday night, and the second one I'm going to preach on Friday night. Sunday morning, Sunday school, Faith Promise Missions. I'm going to teach a lesson on that. I want you to understand that. Um, Sunday morning for the morning message, I'll be preaching my favorite chapter in all of the Word of God, Romans in chapter 8. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Sunday night, I'm still wrestling just a little bit. I'm not sure where I'm going to go with that. But I, I know that God is going to lead one way or the other. In 100 years, we have gone from being, the, we've gone from being number one and sending out missionaries into the world to number 14. The United States of America. 14th in the world. The number of missionaries we send out. I believe with all of my heart that the church is in great need of revival. Thus we go to the book of Haggai tonight. 160,000 people in Jackson County checked it out. Man, I checked it out. That's your Jerusalem. You've got to reach this Jerusalem. I know you're not alone. You're not the only New Testament local church in this county. In fact, I know there are several good ones. But 160,000 people. You realize that where I'm from, and, and I think geographically, it is the largest county in Michigan, and there's only 38,000, check that, 36,000 people in our whole county. In our whole county. And 18,000 of them are up in Sault Ste. Marie, 25 miles to the north of us. It's a rural city. So I come down here, and I see people in every direction, and it, to me, it's overwhelming. To me, it's... And, I, and I'm, I'm always glad to get home when I, when I do get home because I really am a country boy. Thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for um, providing for me in every way. And ladies, you have not done me good. I, I have worked so hard all winter long losing weight. I have, I've lost nearly 30 pounds this winter. And, and I'm, I'm in danger of putting it all on in one week. 
I, I, I feel, and, I, and I'll, tell you how, I'll tell you how to lose that weight. I, I should write a book. I think I'd be a millionaire. Here's the Tim Raider Youper diet. This is what you got to do. In the morning, did I share this with you already? In the morning, drink 100 cups of coffee. Black, no sugar. At lunchtime, this is exactly what I did. Now, the 100's an exaggeration. At lunchtime, I eat a bowl of oatmeal. No sugar, no milk, just water. It's amazing, after three weeks, that tastes mighty good. It does. And then I'll have supper about 4.30, and I, and, and I have whatever I want. And it's a, the pounds just fell off. I'm going to write a book someday. I'll make a lot of money. Book of Haggai, 38 verses. The key phrase in the book of Haggai, of course, is consider your ways. The days of great revival can be lived again. The days in America of the great missionary movement can be lived again. If the Philadelphia church would truly be the Philadelphia church and we have real, real revival. And it will not be lived by returning to the past but instead by returning to God. We don't need to go back to the 1950s. We don't need to go back to the 1970s. Some of those days were good days for the church, but we don't need to go back to the 1990s. We need to go back to God. It's the year 2017. We've got different things available to us as far as technology. I understand that. I told you how I feel about that. Use what we can use for the glory of God. The church must Return to God. The book of Haggai, if you were to put this all in a sentence sermon, it's man's quest for greatness without God. A mistake. That's what the preacher found in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, I tried it all. Wine, women, and song, power, popularity, money. I had it all. It all comes to nothing. And the sooner we would realize that, we, we, some of us, we consider us, ourselves pretty mature in the Lord. You can't serve both God and mammon. You can't have a love for this world and a real love for God. Now, we're all made of the same stuff. Man, we all have, the, you know, we, we all have weaknesses of the flesh, and, and we all have areas of our life that, boy, we, we need God. We just need God. You aren't going to live any kind of successful life without God. Here's the background. Haggai was born in Babylon. He's a post-captivity prophet. He returned to Jerusalem. He returned to the land in that first wave of, of, of Hebrews that came back. The ministry of the book of Haggai really only covers four months. But 18 years after his return is when he wrote this book, when, when, when this prophecy was, was given, to, given so you and I could hear it. Let's look at it. Haggai chapter 1. Here's my outline. It's really simple. Chapter 1, he admonishes the people of God. That means he rebukes them, he warns them, he says, man, you're going the wrong way, you're going, to, you're, going to make, you're going to make a train wreck of your life, you're going to make a shipwreck of yourself spiritually, you're going to end up on the rocks, everything is going to fall apart. So he admonishes them, number one, chapter, chapter one. Chapter two, he encourages them. He says, listen, if you give effort, if you repent of your sin and you'll give effort, God promises he is going to bless let me read verse 1. In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, and the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying. Now, in this, in this short book, this verse is repeated, this, this information is repeated several times. I'm not going to reread it. I read it once. Verse 2 says, Thus speaketh the Lord. 
the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. First thing that needed to take place is they needed to rebuild the temple. Put, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The mistake they made is they rebuilt their houses first, and they made them nice. They lived in sealed houses, rich paneling in their houses, and they kind of let the work of God be neglected. The problem is, it wasn't just a couple of weeks or a couple of months. For four, they got it started, and for 14 years, it was left unfinished. For 14 years, and, and, and the people were saying, it's not yet time to build the house of God. There are always going to be naysayers when it comes to the work of God. If Loomis Park Baptist Church is everything it's supposed to be, and Jesus Christ is the true king of this church and leader of this church and savior and shepherd of this church, there are going to be a lot of people on the fringe and on the outside that will not understand why you're, you're making such a big deal about Jesus. Why you're making such a big deal about world missions and supporting missionaries. They, they're really not going to understand that. So the people said this, not time to build it. Verse 3, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. First of five times. Think about what you're doing. And I would encourage you to do that tonight. I am preaching Bible. I'm going to do my best to help you to understand what the prophet Haggai, what God, through the prophet Haggai, was saying to his people in the Old Testament and how it applies to you and to I. I, I love to tell people I'm a Bible thumper. I'm an academic Bible thumper. I love the Word of God. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Oh, it's rich. You'll never exhaust it. 130, 1,000 I'll come back to that. I am getting old. The number just left me. Verse 5 says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and bring little. Bring, ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with, with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. He said, in this world, now you've you built your own houses, but nothing satisfies Nothing fulfills. I don't know if you've come to this place already in life, and I hope you have. I hope if you're 21 years old, you've already come to this realization. You'll never make enough money to satisfy. You'll never get enough food. Food's pretty important to me, too. I can relate to you ladies that are excited about food in, in heaven. My whole life is wrapped around food, outside of Jesus, all right? Food, man, I live for the meals. I really, my wife will tell you that. I, one of the reasons I love the holidays is the big meals. Oh, yeah, it's family, and oh, yeah, yeah. But the meals, oh, my goodness. You want to have a successful preacher's meeting? Man, you have fried chicken. They'll come. You want to have a successful youth group meeting? You have pepperoni pizza. Man, man, man they'll come. I walk through supermarkets just smelling the food. Now listen, I'm fresh off a diet, so I know what I'm talking about. I would walk through supermarkets and I'd smell the food. What do they call those things? Endorphins? Whatever. You know, the happy feelings? Man, I'd start feeling happy. You know, I'd smell the foods. You know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to go through the refrigeration section. Even the cornflakes, I could smell those. But when you got to the bakery department, oh my goodness. You know, I, I love food. But listen, None of it's lasting. None of it satisfies. I'll tell you something else. This may shock you. I told you, 
High school football is pretty important in my life. Always has been. 20 years head coach. 20 years at the local public school. Both of my sons head football coaches in, in, in different, different public schools. Both in the ministry. But that, that was their little uh, pulpit on the side. I did the very same thing. Sports are not real. Think about that. What is real about sports? Hitting a little ball around with a, with a stick. Running up and down a striped field with a bag of zipped up air. Acting like it's, it's something exciting to get into an end zone. You know, just think about sports. It really is, it doesn't accomplish anything. It, it, it really doesn't, doesn't do anything. Something else. And this has been big in my upbringing and big in my family. Booze, liquor, drugs. They're not real either. They're artificial. It's something outside your body. You put in your body to try to, try to lose. It's a crutch. It is not real life. And the sooner you realize that you cannot serve God and mammon and, and, and that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. I've never been more fulfilled. I've never been more fulfilled than when I do something for Christ. I lead a soul to Jesus. I vicariously relive my own salvation experience. It's pretty exciting. Man, I go to bed, I can't go to sleep. And it's real, and it's eternal. And there's so many people in the church of Jesus Christ, even, even this day in which we live, and they're so superficial. And they really don't know what life is about, and they're living for all these, all these fake things that aren't real, they're not foundational, and they wonder why their life is not fulfilled. Maybe you need to come to the altar tonight and surrender your life to God. Not only repent of your sin, surrender your life to God. Say, God, just, just take over. Use me, please. Verse 7 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You go up to the mountain, bring in wood, and build the house, and I will, I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Simple command. God says, you build my house, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll be pleased with it. I, I would encourage you tonight, if you'll be faithful to God, prayer closet, faithful to God, Bible reading, faithful to God, the services of the New Testament local church, faithful to God, witnessing, telling people about Jesus. Man, you'll please God. He'll, he'll, he'll bless your efforts. You may not be smooth at what you do, but that's fine. He will bless your efforts. That's a promise from God. He said, you do that. You go up to the mountain. You get those building materials. I'll, I'll be pleased. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it, brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house, that it is waste. And you run every man unto his own house. God's work's left undone. Fourteen years in Jerusalem. Fourteen years of nothing. And they're running around in their toys. And I don't know how they struggled. I don't know what their, everybody had a different life and we, we're all different as well. And we all have a different path we must trod. And I understand that. We have different crosses we must bear. But, but the fact is this, no matter how little or how much you have, if you give your life to God, you'll finally know fulfillment. Missions conference. Man, I gotta challenge you. The best I know how. I'm a New Testament church pastor. Local church pastor. I pastor a mission-minded church. You're a mission-minded church. Man, you need to pray, God, what do you want me to do with Faith Promise Missions? And then you need to come up with a number. And then when you get with that number, then you go back to God a second time and say, God, do you want me to increase that number? Is that enough? Do you want more? If you will become a channel, God will bless 
God will bless missions through your household, through your business, through your little bit of an income. Maybe you got a big income, but God will, God will use you as a channel. Sunday morning, Sunday school, I'm going to try to hit that as hard as I can just before you, you, you commit yourself with that faith promise card. I, I, you know, I, I, you, you need to do more than you have ever done. That's where the rubber meets the road. You say, oh, all you're looking for is my money. I'll, I'll tell you what John R. Rice used to say. God wants the man. Not only does God want the man, he wants the pants that the man is in. And not only does he want the pants that the man is in, he wants the wallet that's in the pants. And he wants the money that's in the wallet. God wants it all. Hey, it's his. Isn't that what stewardship is? Sometimes we use the word stewardship to kind of cloak the word selfishness. You know, oh, it's mine. That's mine. I'll tell you some stories Sunday morning on that. Got to wait. Verse 10, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought. It wasn't Mother Earth, wasn't Mother Nature, it was Father God. And, and things just weren't going well. It wasn't going well for them because they were not honoring God. Verse 12, repeat, but they obeyed. I circled the word obeyed right in the middle of the verse. And they did fear at the end of the verse. The people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you. What a great promise. If you and I will repent, if you and I will be clean before God, God promises to be with us and to go before us. Now we go to chapter 2. Let's look at that. Verse 1. That was admonishment. He's going to do a little bit more admonishing in chapter 2 towards the end. I want to get to that in just a moment. But look at chapter 2. Listen. Going all the way through the book of Haggai. You're going to understand what it's about. God's people are back in the land. They're in Jerusalem. Um, uh, uh, this is after the captivity. Uh, the first temple was built by Solomon. Uh, some of the building materials was provided, were provided by David. Then Solomon added to it, and they built the temple. Now they're back in the land. They, they, they lay the foundation. They start to build the second temple, and then they get caught up in their own little lives. And that can happen temporarily. It's all, you know, I understand how that is. We're all prone to wander. All we like sheep have gone astray. But 14 years. How long has it been since you've been sold out to God? How long has it been since, since you were that New Testament Christian that lived out New Testament Christianity? Yeah. I mean, where you're all in, all in for the glory of God. 14 years. Verse 2, they start, they rebuild the temple. Verse 2, in the seventh month, chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 1. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Here's the deal. They rebuilt the temple. Tim Rader is not a carpenter. Uh, Tim Rader knows how to do everything, but he's not skilled at carpentry. Tim Rader thinks he knows how to do everything. I'm, I'm, I can hear my wife right now. You know, 
Um, I, I do all kinds of building projects. I get involved in all kinds of things. I think I can do anything. I'm starting to grow up just a little bit and realizing that's, that's not the case. One time, as, uh, I, made a, I, made a, I made some, Tim Leonard will enjoy this. I, I made some, uh, a, a tile top to a, our, our a cupboard around our sink, and I, and I got some old used oak cu cupboards, and I built them around the bottom. I just kind of remanufactured everything, cut some, made some cuts, redid some things, and I stretched as hard, far as I could uh, up above, and I was holding down this piece of plywood, and as far as I could underneath the sink with my screw gun, and I put a big screw up in there, right into my hand. And, and, and I couldn't find the reverse button on the screw gun, <laughs> and I, fi I finally get it out. Every building project I have ever done. I can tell you stories. It might make your skin. When I announced at Fundamental Baptist Church we're going to build again, grown men groan and cry. And the flag out in front of the church is flown at half mast. You know? And, and we're, we're in it again. We're in, we're in another building program. Every time I get done building something, I look at it. This is that. This is, before God, this is my thought. All the time. I look at it and I know what I did wrong. I look at it and say, I could have done a better job. Man, I could have I done a better job. And that's kind of what the, the Hebrews were feeling at this time. They rebuilt the temple, but they didn't have the resources that David had and Solomon had. For 400 years, the tabernacle served the people of God. 410 years, Solomon's temple. At the cost, it was built at the cost of $6 billion, built on Mount Moriah. Great stones were quarried in far-off lands and brought to the building site. Cedar beams, great beams, all overlaid with gold. I can only imagine. 30,000 Israelite workmen worked on the temple. 150,000 Canaanites worked on the temple. Phoenician artists, craftsmen from Tyre. It was a place of wondrous worship and glory. I can, I, I, I can only imagine the choirs, the great choirs singing, sometimes in rounds, if I understand it right, where this, this choir would sing, and then, then the, this choir would sing, and, and the sacrifices, and the, and the worship. Bless God, one day we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to really know how to worship. That's going to be a day. Sometimes our old flesh gets in the road. Let me give you something, uh, some advice, by the way. You want to worship in song? You don't need a drum set. That's not how you worship. I'll tell you how to worship. No, listen to this, this is revolutionary. This will change how you, how you worship God. When you sing a hymn, know what you're singing. Know the words. Look at it and mean the words. Make those words your words. And you'll find you're lifting your voice toward God. It's amazing how that works. Man, I, I, I can tell you people love to sing. Know what you're singing. Solomon's temple was a great place. But you know what's best of all about Solomon's temple? Shekinah glory. The presence of God. Now here's the encouragement. The Israelites were back in the land, back in the city. They rebuilt, they finally, they rebuilt the temple. They look at it and they think, in comparison to Solomon's temple, this isn't much. This is, this is nothing like Solomon's temple. And they were discouraged. And God encourages them. He said, I'll be with you. Shekinah glory. Before I read it, that's the promise to the church. You know, the Bible tells us in Acts 17 that God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. 
When could you or I build anything good enough or big enough for God? Think about that. No way. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are that New Testament local church that is banded together in a, in a specific area for the glory of God. A great commission church. A church of great revivals. A church of great, a great missionary-minded church for the glory of God. And when God is in our presence, and he promises he will be, he's the energizer of the church. He's the one that enables us to get anything done at all that is going to count for eternity. God the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, chapter 2, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, O ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Jesus is enough. It's all we need. He's all I need. I don't need anything more. I don't need anyone more. The truth is, he is life. Man, he's, he's, he's my all in all. He said, I am with you. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once is a, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Now you and I know, he's talking about the millennial kingdom there. He's talking about the millennial temple there. You say, they're going to offer sacrifices in the millennial temple? Yes. But it's not a sacrament. It's much like the Lord's table and baptism today. It'll be a memorial. It's going to be wonderful worship. Verse 8 says, the silver is mine. You don't need to worry about the silver. The gold is mine. Don't, don't, don't be sweating, sweating the gold, not in this rebuilt temple, saith the Lord of hosts. <coughs> the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace. Let me do some summarizing. Verses 10 through 14. It's talking about a unkept, complacent, lethargic religion. God's not pleased with that. Sometimes we're very haphazard. I fly by the seat of my pants as good as anybody. Maybe, maybe too good for my own good. But the truth is, worship, he is to be exalted. Now, we, we do a lot of... Uh, 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 Things in, in, in our worship that is not pleasing to God. I'll bet some of you know how many lights are in these chandeliers. You know why we don't sing at, at um, Fundamental Baptist Church? You know why we don't sing the doxology? I, every once in a while I get somebody, somebody will ask me this that's new to the church. Why don't we sing the doxology here? Because I don't want to become, it to become empty ritual. I remember what it was like in the Presbyterian church. And the doxology, that's a beautiful song. It really is. Praise God from whom all blessing. But you know what that meant to me in the, in the Presbyterian church? Yeah, it was the same thing week after week after week after week. You want to shake up an independent Baptist church? Sing the doxology every once in a while. That, that, that'll clear out the cobwebs is what it, what it does. But, but, but the truth is our, our worship, sometimes we're distracted. Oh, does that describe the year 2017? Spiritual attention deficit disorder. Cannot go five minutes without, who's texting me? 
you know, checking the email. What's happening on Fox News? Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh, didn't fire any missiles yet, you know. Um, there are, there, you know, that just, we're distracted. We're distracted. I said this on Monday night. I preach at a Bible college uh, of late, and they allow the kids to have the, 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 the Bible on their cell phones and bring them to chapel. What a mistake. Two-thirds of the kids aren't even listening. I know they're not listening. You can see it in their eyes, man. But they're looking down quite a bit. You know, I'm thinking, what in the world? Boy, be, things would be a little different if I was president here. Things would be different in the whole thing. Thank the Lord I'm not president of the, of the world. That just wouldn't work out real well. They were, they were unholy. They were unclean. Uh, the, the, the message is they need to repent. You need to start over. Verse 18, consider now from this day and upward and from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day of the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. And again, the word of the Lord is, I'm going to bless you again. I'm going to bless you again. You don't, listen, I know the temple isn't what Solomon's temple was. But God isn't dependent upon ornate buildings. I'm thankful for that. God isn't dependent upon big offerings. I'm thankful for that. God isn't dependent on $500 suits. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Best suit I own, I got from a St. Vincent de Paul star. And, and I've got, I mean, I've probably got, I'm a preacher, you know, and I'm 60, so I bet I've got, <laughs> I bet I've got eight, I bet I've got 10 suits. The thing is, I am so stuck in my ways. Every time somebody gets me a suit, buys me a suit, and I go buy it, this is the only suit that's a light-colored suit that I own. This is my summer suit. In the UP, I only get, to, get it to wear it about two or three Sundays a year. So as soon as it was hot today, I thought, I'm glad I brought that suit. I knew I was going to the deep south, so I got my summer suit on tonight. God doesn't need any of that. All God needs is a repentant heart. God is just looking for people who will worship him. He said, you, you go up to the mountain. You bring down the wood. I will be pleased with your effort. You repent of your sin. No, no more of that corrupt religion. You have a religion where you walk with God and you love God with all of your heart. And I will be pleased with that. And I will be your people. And I, and I will bless you. And I, and I will take care of you every step of the way. Verse 19, I'm going to bless you again. Look right at the end of the, of the book. Verse 23, In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, saith the Lord, and will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. We have lost our government. We have lost our universities, our cesspools of debauchery. Philosophies hatched in the hearts of evil men and women that know nothing of real life. It's a little hothouse, and they come up with their own little philosophies. A lot of the professors and heads of chairs that are leading America, our American young people in these universities, they're just they're, they're 60 and 70-year-old hippies from the 70s, you know, and the 60s. And they, 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 they've never lived real life. And that's the truth of it. We've lost the universities. We've lost our government. We've lost our media. We haven't lost the church. The God-ordained church. I do believe time is short. You know what Loomis Park Baptist Church needs? God's glory. 
God's enabling. Ever think about preaching? What a strange thing. God calls little pot-bellied, beady-eyed, bald-headed men to stand up and shoot their mouth off, and people come to church and listen to them. It's amazing. It's amazing. You want to know an opinionated people? Talk to a pastor. Talk to a preacher. We all got opinions. I do my best. I know your pastor does too. Do our best to just preach the Word of God. You know why people come back to Fundamental Baptist Church? The Bible. The Bible. I've been there 36 years. They know all my funny stories. Man, they, they've heard them all probably too many times. You know, they, they, they come back for the Bible. Why, why do people come from one hour from the west and, and one hour from the east, some of them getting on ferry boats and coming off of their islands and coming to the mainland and, and coming, and why do they come to a little country church way out in the middle of nowhere? We're not in a town. We're not in a village even. We're in a bunch of trees. I, I, I mean, the nearest McDonald's is 25 miles away. The nearest Walmart, 26 miles away. That's the close one. There's another one that in the other direction. When you go down to the Mackinac Bridge, you can, you can see, get, go down to St. Ignace. That's about 36 miles away. We are in the middle of nowhere. And every Sunday, church lot fills right up. Tonight's prayer meeting. I know what's going on at home. I love Fundamental Baptist Church. We've got RU meeting in our mission building. There'll be anywhere between 12 and 25 people at the, in the RU meeting. We meet, have a meet on Wednesday night. We've got our youth group uh, meeting in the elementary school building. Uh, there'll be between 50 and 70 teenagers over there. Some of them are pretty rugged. We bring them in on the bus, you know, and, and, and you, know how that, you know what that's all about. Um, we've got King's kids. There, I know there are 130, maybe 150 King's kids, K through 6, in our lower level and then out in our gymnasium. Up in the main auditorium tonight are the adults, whoever's left. It's the residue. It's the leftovers. Um, they'll, they'll be between 60 and 100. And right now, they're just about ready to break up, and they're going to get on their knees all over the auditorium, and they're going to pray for the power of God, and they're going to pray for God's blessing. There's going to be tears. There's going to be joy. There's going to be laughter. It's a strange church. I'll tell you about it Sunday morning. Um, the glory of God. The glory. Ephesians chapter 3 is in the church. Shekinah glory. Happened on the day of Pentecost. A rough and rugged fisherman. A man who denied Christ just hours before. And days before. Stood up and gave his best effort. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people got saved. That day, hell quivered. Something big was happening on earth. The church was being born. John Wesley stood in a New England town. That week, he had been kicked out of three different churches for preaching the truth. Started to meet in a, in a pasture just outside of town. A crowd had gathered, but the crowd was broken up. Someone turned a bull loose in the meeting. He went a little further out of town and met in the field. 10,000 people came to hear him preach. Demons wept that night. Dwight L. Moody, London, England. While he was there, he was invited to speak at Bradloff's Atheist, English Atheist and Infidels Club. It was a big thing at that time. Bradloff himself being an atheist. 
500 men were there. They introduced Brother Moody, and as he walked to the platform, there was laughter and snickers and a few catcalls. He stood up, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Instead of preaching what he was going to preach that night, he told them of his Jesus and how God had forgiven him. And he was born into the family of God, D.L. Moody. And how Jesus is the best friend he could ever have. By the time he got done, he said, Every man, he said, Any man here willing to take Jesus Christ as their Savior this evening, I ask you to stand to your feet. Every man but one stood to his feet that night. Heaven shouted. Only Bradloff did not stand to his feet. That's the glory of God. You see, that's what we need in America. That's what we need, you need here at Loomis Park Baptist Church. We need more of it at Fundamental Baptist. We haven't arrived. Man, Shekinah glory. The Jews, after 14 years of negligence, they finally, the prophet gives them the message. They, they start looking at their lives. He's right. Man, we can't get ahead. We're putting our money in a bag with holes in it. We, we, nothing satisfies. Nothing's fulfilling. He's, he's absolutely right. Let's get back to the work of God. They rebuild the temple. They get done. They do their best, but they get done. They look at it and say, man, it's just not, it's nothing like Solomon's temple. It's nowhere near that glory. God tells them in chapter 2, it's not about the temple. It's not about a steepled building. It's not about fancy pews. It's about the glory of God. We could meet in a brush arbor. We could meet and sit on folding chairs. And if it's going to be either or, give me that in the power of God rather than a fancy building. I'm not against... Man, we need to better what we have and, do, and take care of what we have. And, but don't worship this building. Don't ever get to that place. Don't think, man, this building is, 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 the, is the temple of God. God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. I'll say it again. You can't build anything good enough for God. No way. Aren't you glad he loves sinners? Aren't you glad if you're born again, your name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life? Next time we stand up and sing, worship God. Know what you're singing. Look at the words and say, yeah, I want that to come from my heart and do it. That's what God is pleased with. You serve God, serve him with everything you have. Let's bow our heads together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.